This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to another edition of the Equalizer podcast. Thanks to everyone who's listening for joining us today. Um, I am not Jeff Kasuf. Uh, this is a different voice. Uh, I was on uh, last couple weeks, though. So if you remember me, I'm Rachel Krigger. I'm going to be hosting this weekend show, um, but I'm not by myself. A quick shout out first to our incredible producer, uh, Jacqueline Purdy. She does a wonderful job and she keeps the content going. She pretty much just keeps my whole life um in like rhythm. So shout out to her, but also shout out to my friend Pardeep Katri for catching me up before we hit the record button on some other, uh, some other soccer matters. So Pardeep, aside from the chaos that was Orlando city and, um, oh my God, I just forgot the team. Who am I thinking of? New York city FC. Um, how are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. I finally settled down after a very, very entertaining penalty shootout. So, you know, back at normal levels of emotion and energy. Yeah, I, you know, Pardeep and I were saying before we went um, on air, you know, I know this is a women's soccer podcast, but we can't just pretend like that game didn't exist. We have to mention it at least once. So that is our our obligatory chaotic MLS mention. Um, so you're welcome, friends. <laughs> um, we have doing a- you, MLS. Keep being chaotic. <laughs> I, I will always say that I love chaos. Well, in soccer. I mean, yes. Uh, who doesn't love chaos? But that was like, that was peak chaos yeah, of really like, was. like if you could sum up 2020 in a whole year, in a whole game, it, it would be that game. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, we have a fun women's soccer show uh, for everyone today. We have some fun topics to discuss, like the U.S. Women's National Team, um, some announcements from the NWSL um, and a certain club on the coast of California. And then we're going to talk about um, some happenings over in France. So uh, to start out the show, we're going to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, I'm not going to read the full roster. Um, it's available on U.S. Soccer's website, but I am going to um, put in a little note here that Lindsay Horan was on the roster to start out, but she has tested positive for COVID-19. She says she's doing well. She's back at home and resting. So in her place, Florida State uh, def- midfielder, defender, um, Jalen Howell is on the roster instead. And she was part of that uh, kind of like ID camp that Vlako Andonovsky had back in um in October at the end of the um, fall series. So um, if you want to see the roster, it's on U.S. Soccer's website. Um, I made a swanky graphic. It's over at Equalizer on the um, Twitter and Instagram and I think Facebook page. Um, so go ahead and check that out. But um, looking at this roster party, you know, any 
thing really kind of just jump out? Um, this, this isn't just like a training roster. Of course, this is a roster that's getting ready for a game against the Netherlands, which will be on Friday afternoon, Black Friday afternoon. So I think what stands out to me is that I'm, I'm remembering something that Vlatko Andonovsky said during his conference call right after the roster was announced that, uh, this is probably the group of players that he's going to stick with through the Olympics, that there's not going to be a lot of turnover from here on out. And now after a year in the job, but obviously a very long time where he didn't have rosters to announce or games to coach, we're finally getting a picture of who that pool of players is comprised of ahead of the Olympics. I think in the old times, before COVID-19 shut everything down, we were wondering how much turnover there'd be in the like seven or eight months he had before the Olympics, and we weren't expecting a lot. But then there was that question of, okay, well, now he has more time. Can he? Is he going to start from scratch completely, or is he not? And I think I probably at one point underestimated how much time he actually had, because He hasn't been able to see these players a lot. So I think the lack of turnover makes sense because, what, there are 13 players from the World Cup that are on Mm -hmm. this roster. A lot of those people are still there. And a lot of people who, fine, maybe weren't part of the World Cup roster but have been in and out with the national team have are part of this camp too. So I think we're looking finally at the picture of who Vlatko Andonovsky's core group of players are. Uh, uh, is going into this final stretch before the Olympics. Yeah, and I mean, I think the area that has the most turnover, I know we said before we started uh, we weren't really going to go over position by position, but I mean, I think we definitely need to talk about the goalkeepers for a minute um, because the the goalkeepers that went to the World Cup uh, were obviously Alyssa Nair, um, Ashlyn Harris and um, A.D. French. A.D. French is still dealing with uh, a knee injury. Um, and Ashlyn Harris was, you know, kind of left off this roster. Um, so in place of those two, you have, um, because Nair is still on the roster. Um, also, apologies if you can hear my dog barking in the background. Um, but you have Aubrey Bledsoe and Jane Campbell coming in. Is this, like, for me, I would love to see Aubrey Bledsoe actually get minutes I think it would be a waste to like bring her into a camp now or um, like ahead of the Olympics and just you know have her sit on the bench obviously like training you're still getting a lot of quality but I think she's probably the best goalkeeper in the NWSL um, that is available for uh, the U.S. Women's National Team because you know obviously Kaylin Sheridan had amazing gear but she's with Canada Um so, like, do you think that there's somebody here that could kind of, you know, sneak in and try to get that starting position? Or is that pretty much just like, all right, we're keeping Nair for the Olympics and then we'll assess? My guess is that Nair sticks it out through the Olympics. But I think there's probably something at play with that second goalkeeper position that is going to be available for the Olympics. Yeah, uh, I mean, Vlatko Andonovsky said during his conference call that that Harris wasn't out of the picture. He just wanted to give some new blood a chance. Obviously, like you said, French isn't available. 
but I wonder if he at some points uh, at some point decides with that backup goalkeeper position to look a little bit forward into the future. Obviously, both Bledsoe and uh, Campbell are younger than Harris, so if I'm if my mind is looking at anything, I'm looking at that. But I really think Nair's got it locked down. Yeah, and something that Vlaco said during that column, I was on there too, is that he's pretty much has a pool of like six goalkeepers to work with. And he also name-dropped um, Casey Murphy, who spent 2018 um, and 2019 with the rain and is was now traded to North Carolina. She was part of that um, Crystal Dunn trade, um, that like three-team trade. So, you know, she's very much in the mix, too, I think, even though she isn't on this roster. I think that just with the year Houston has, it's kind of like it would be a crime to not pick Jane Campbell. And then Aubrey Blood says Aubrey Blood says she has been playing consistently good soccer since, like, 2016. So I think those two were pretty much good choices. I have no arguments there, and I have no arguments with Nair either. Um, is there anybody on this list that really surprises you? Like you didn't, you, you might've had an inkling they would be on there, but like when you actually saw the name, you were like, well, they're there. I think at this point, it's all pretty established people. Uh, but I think one of the people to look out for is Katarina Macario, right? She, I don't think she's eligible to play this uh, in this game against the Netherlands, but she, there aren't a lot of very young players on this roster. It's her and then Jalen Howell, who you said, like you mentioned, was added after Lindsay Horan's uh, positive COVID-19 test became public news. But she is probably the most, if you're, if you're thinking about the future, she's the one person you're looking at on this roster that is very much part of that future. And it makes me wonder if almost everybody in this group seems to be in contention for that Olympic roster. Is she in contention for it too? And if she is, that's very exciting to me. So that's really the one name that sticks out to me because just about everybody else is there's there are people who have been part of Latko Andonovsky's short tenure as the USWNT coach so far. Yeah, I think the the name that surprises me was Macaria too, because I didn't know, like, I, I mean, obviously I think she's part of the future plans, but I was like, eh, are they going to, you know, bring her along knowing that she can't play yet or not? Um, but I was always very, very pleasantly surprised to see Alana Cook on there too. I know that they are bringing some of these European-based based players, but, you know, I was surprised to see her name. She plays for... Paris Saint-Germain, and she, I mean, she's excellent to me. And you want to talk about getting youthful on that defense. I mean, you also have Midge Purse and um, and Tierna Davidson. And, you know, Tierna Davidson was still a question mark. She was dealing with some injuries uh, in, in 2020. Um, so it's it's good to see her back on that list and see her. And I hope she gets some minutes in the games because I remember she was super hyped up um, before 2019 being the number one draft pick and then, you know, she had her good season and couldn't play in the final because of an injury. And then 2020 was kind of back and forth and back and forth with injuries. But um, Alana Cook was definitely a, a pleasant surprise 
um, for me to see on that list. And I, I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I was excited to see Ashley Hatch too. I think she's done a lot to, um, warrant a U.S. Women's National Team call-up. For me, it was either between, like, her and Bethany Balser. Um, I think both are really good players, and I would love to see um, Balser in the U.S. Women's National Team picture um, more and more. Um, but we have to talk about a certain midfielder on this list, too. We're going to get a sister reunion because it was a shoe-in that Sam Mewis was going to get called up. But Christy Mewis is also back with the U.S. Women's National Team as well. And, um, I mean, honestly, with the year she's had, it just makes sense, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you got to bring her in. <laughs> I was thinking about this when you were talking about Ashley Hatch, but it applies to Christy Mewis, too. I think it says a lot about the players who were part of the October camp the ones that have been on the fringes of the national team, but then ended up getting the second call up to this camp. I think it says a lot about their uh, their place in this pool of players that they, for now, are still in contention really for an Olympic spot. It doesn't obviously mean anybody else isn't necessarily, but Christy Mewis is, I think she's been playing some of the best soccer of her career. It's You talk about her and Sam Mewis, I think, it's really lovely to watch them both be at, you know, the top of their game. Obviously, while Christy Mewis has been doing terrific things for the Dash when they played, Sam Mewis has been doing terrific things for Manchester City. And what a wonderful combination of team and player that has been. So I don't know how long it's been since they were last in a national team camp, but that's... It's only good news for both them and this national team pool, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's great for the fans, too, because they get awesome sister content as well. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. I was explaining to um, to my one friend, um, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm Russian. And, you know, I follow the Russian national team very closely. And they have twins on the team. And they, like, just exploded Twitter with all of this content of, like, oh, the brothers are reunited. So I expect to see lots of sister content, whether that's a emotional reunion and then maybe a little bit of fighting on the pitch. You know, siblings are going to fight. It's just <laughs> that that's basically a shoe-in. Um, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Alex Morgan being back on this roster too, she has 169 appearances for the U S women's national team is hoping to get that number into the 170s. Um, what, what do you think about her um, being called back into camp? Do you think it's too soon? Do you think it's, uh, and just what's your thoughts on that? I don't think it's too soon at all because, well, I guess maybe it is, but I think as long as she keeps trending towards getting minutes it's not bad news for her and it's not bad news for the national team at all right um I think only this week she has hit more than 100 minutes of playing since returning from maternity leave so she's got you know she's got a lot of room for improvement when it comes to just getting match fit and Vlatko Andonofsky said that she probably won't be able to go more than 60 minutes in this game but that. It's November. The Olympics are in July. So right. it's fine that she still has a gap to make up in terms of match fitness. But, you know, getting her reps will not be a bad thing for anyone involved. And 
that's very, very important development. If because look, she wants to be on the Olympic roster, and when she's fit, the U.S. women's national team would like her on the Olympic roster too. <laughs> yeah, because she she has a, a knack for scoring goals, um, especially in big games. <laughs> um, is is yeah. there anybody that you saw on this roster that you thought? maybe I would have given that spot to somebody else. I'm going to let you go first because I'm going to, I'm going to wait to get to my pick because it might get me in trouble. You sound like you have a controversial pick. I I probably (laughs) do. And I'm ready. I'm ready to be, you know, nailed to the wall for it. Honestly, at this point, I am not particularly surprised by any of it. So I think even if there was somebody that maybe I thought, hey, they deserve a spot. I sort of like channeled it out. (laughs) So I don't think I can answer that question, especially without having given it some thought. But mostly I just want to uh, finish talking so I can hear your very controversial take. (laughs) I I, I will say you're better than me. (laughs) I think we already knew that, but just to reiterate. No, that's that's definitely not true. Pardeep is 100% better than me. Um, I'm going to be totally blunt here. I don't think Kelly O'Hare should be on this roster oh. um, because, and I, I have reasons. I have reasons. I promise you I have reasons. Um, no, I, I know where this is going and I think it's going to be fine. Um, the reasons I have is, you know, great. She got a couple minutes during the fall series. Awesome. Um, but it wasn't a lot. And she has been hurt pretty much since 2018. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, if I'm a coach, I'm going to put on my hat for a minute and I'm going to pick the players who are going to help make an immediate impact. I don't really, and and listen, I understand that she's a veteran and it's great to have that veteran presence. And it's really good to be able to, you know, bounce ideas off in training and like, you know, for, for example, for someone like Tierna Davidson, it's, it's good to have her there to mentor, but there are other players who are veterans and are healthy that can do that too. So for me, I'm just, I'm kind of stuck on the fence of if you're not healthy and also, and this one's big, if you're not performing, you should not be on the national team roster. So someone to me like Sarah Gordon should be on the roster instead. Um, I, I feel like there's something happening with Casey Short that there's a, that she wasn't on the roster for. I feel like she's getting married. But it might either be that or she's dealing with an injury. Don't quote me on that. I have no idea. But someone like Sarah Gordon should be on that roster. Um, some Somebody like Megan Oyster, these young players who have proven throughout um, the NWSL that they can compete, that they um, can perform. Performing is probably the biggest thing for me. I hate to bring it back to men's soccer. But one of the things I admired the most about Jurgen Klinsmann when he coached the U.S. men's national team was if you don't perform well, I don't care who you are and what your name is, you're not on the roster. Everyone threw a fit when he didn't pick Landon Donovan for the 2014 World Cup, but he wasn't performing as well as some of the others. So he made a choice and I respect that and I respected that choice. So for me, I love to see Vlaco bringing in these new players like Katarina Macario, Jalen Howell, um, Sophia Smith, like all of these new exciting young players. Mitch Purse is on this roster. That's great. 
but I think there still needs to be more. These, these conversations with some of these veterans are going to be hard. They're not going to be like, Hey, you did a ton of stuff for the national team. Peace. See you. Bye. It's going to be a hard conversation, but it's something that needs to happen. Cause if you want success, you need to get the people who are going to bring you, um, that success. So I think there's an interesting point to make there about, I mean, she hasn't played a lot of minutes recently, like you mentioned, and it's probably going to be a very interesting camp over these six days to just deal with people with different levels of match fitness. But I think, you know, it's going to be an issue if Kelly O'Hara isn't getting minutes ahead of the Olympics. Like I said about Alex Morgan, there's still a lot of time for her ahead of July. But I wonder if because she's not as match fit as some of the other players, like you said, she didn't play as much during the fall series as plenty of the NWSL players that are on this roster. So I wonder if that gives maybe Andonofsky a chance to play some other folks there. See, uh, get them some minutes, get them some caps, see what, where that takes all of them and where that might help him make a decision come, you know, June, July. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about that. I think you pretty much mapped it out. Well, um, I just yell about things. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other thoughts that you have about this um, this roster here? Is it like who's the player that you're most excited to see? I guess we can leave off on that. Hmm. I've been really enjoying Christine Mewis play, and I know she hasn't played in like I don't know a month or whatever, but kind of excited to see if she and Sam Mewis can get on the field at the same time, and I want to see if she can ride this momentum for longer than just this weird 2020 has been. You took my answer. Oh, I can think of another one if you want. <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. Um, I, I want to see, um, I want to see Mitch purse get on the pitch really, really, really badly. So um, I also want to see Ashley Hatch get on. So I want to see what they can do um, against the team, like the Netherlands. Cause this is not like, yeah. it's not like you're playing you know, some, some other random, random team. Like you're playing the Netherlands, a really good team. I'll pick on Russia because I'm from Russia. It's not like a play in Russia. Um, (laughs) So um, yeah, I mean, this is a really good quality team. So I'm excited to see the game. It is at, I believe 1235 PM on Friday, um, November 27th. So um, if you have off work, Watch the game. If you don't have off work like myself, but you have dual monitors at work, watch the game. (laughs) So (laughs) if you have a good reason to not watch the game, we won't be mad at you. But if you don't have a good reason, then we'll be mad at you. (laughs) Then you'll be shunned. (laughs) We won't be policing this. Do not worry. That's uh, that's going to wrap it up for segment one. We will be back for segment two to talk about the NWSL and about some happenings over across the Atlantic in France. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Equalizer podcast. 
What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, founder of The Equalizer. I want to make sure that you know we also have another podcast called Kickin' Back, which is interview-based. We talk to players, coaches, personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their career and some important things from the present day and look ahead a little bit to the future. We've had guests like Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Jill Ellis, Bev Yanez, Ali Riley, Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm, so many already and many more to come. So please go ahead and check out Kicking Back Pod on any platform you find your podcast after, of course, you've finished up with this episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Welcome back to the Equalizer Podcast. A quick reminder here to please check us out on the web by going to EqualizerSoccer.com. Or for premium content, you can go to EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. We are rolling out content throughout the offseason. There's a lot of stuff happening. There is no offseason for us, as cliche as that sounds. Um, so find us at EqualizerSoccer.com or uh, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And don't forget, we're on social media um, at Equalizer Soccer on Twitter and um, by search through Facebook. We're also on Instagram with the username um, Equalizer underscore soccer. Uh, and if you like what you hear on the podca- podcast, goodness gracious, please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. We have some NWSL news. So the league released its format for the 2021 season. Bless their heart for, you know, rolling this out early and, you know, we have no idea what can ha- what's going to happen with COVID, so all of this can change t- tomorrow. Um, but here's hoping that it does not do that. So um, real quick, I'm just going to kind of read off what, what it is. So on February 1st, players are going to report to their teams. Mid-April, there is going to be the NWSL Challenge Cup again. So there is a tournament before the actual season starts. In mid-May, the regular season will kick off with uh, a total of 24 regular season matches. In November, it's going to be the uh, playoffs. Six teams are going to qualify out of 10, so that's going to be exciting. Um, and then the weekend of November 20th is the NWSL final. So it's going to be a pretty late final this year. And, you know, I'm always intrigued to see what kind of format two MLS is going to roll out to see how they kind of, like, rank up. Because their their finals are usually always pretty close. I think it was off by, like, two weeks last year. Um mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see when they roll theirs out. But that's what the NWSL um, is doing. So what do you think, Party? Is it a good plan? I mean, obviously, like I said, anything can change tomorrow and two weeks and three weeks and, like, what is this, four months until the new season starts? Um, It's kind of exciting that players are reporting February 1st. I feel like that's earlier than it's ever been. Yeah, I remember this year – they reported in March and then everything shut down like one week after. But I, I'm reminded of a story I did during the Challenge Cup this year where I asked a bunch of players and coaches if they would like to integrate cup competitions into the NWSL schedule because unlike their counterparts in other countries or even in the men's game, American women's soccer did not have a cup competition and overwhelmingly players and coaches wanted it. Caitlin Rowland of the North Carolina courage actually should suggested that they do that. The league do a challenge cup before the 
regular season starts to get a uh, player's feet wet before the regular season. So maybe Lisa Baird read the piece and saw that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll just pretend she did read it. I did interview her for it. So maybe she did end up reading it. But um, I think at a certain point, the NWSL needed to expand its schedule to be more competitive with Europe because one of the great perks for players playing in Europe is that they basically have a full season's worth of games. They have a full calendar Mm -hmm. instead of doing that piecemeal season of NWSL and then Australia, which a lot of players did up until obviously now considering, you know, global pandemic. (laughs) So that expansion of the schedule, I think has been very, very important. But I don't, I don't think it will impact any of the players who went abroad uh, to get minutes during this NWSL offseason, which is not the biggest of deals. I think a lot of people prepared for these players to not return until after the Olympics, if the Olympics, if they make the Olympics, if that's their objective, and they succeed in that. But February does seem early to me, but I'm, I'm not a coach, so I'm not going to comment on that further. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, the the cup competition stuff is always like really interesting because I know there's a lot of people who want like kind of what the men's game has with the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. But realistically, that can't really happen right now because it's not just MLS that plays in that. It's like the USL clubs play in it, too. So the mm-hmm. league that's underneath the NWSL is the WPSL. But that's also kind of like. You know, not knocking the WPSL at all. It's a great league. It's a great developmental league. But that's the thing. It's a developmental league. It's for, like, players who are in college to get minutes during the summer and stuff like that. And, I mean, obviously you have other players. Um, You know, we have a team here in Pittsburgh, um, formerly Steel City FC, and now they're the Hotspurs. Um, They had – I think she was, like, 16, 17 years old um, last year or two years ago whenever – whenever I went to go cover a couple of the games and you know, that I mean, that's great that she's playing. She's getting some really good competition, but you're not going to have an open cup competition with the WPSL. Um, that I just not don't think that's moment pop- in time. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, but the cup competition is extremely needed because you know, a lot of it's like, well, what about the ICC? Well, you only get one team from the NWSL playing in the ICC. So it's not really like, it doesn't help the other nine teams that need competition. So, yeah, I thought the Challenge Cup was great, um, and I'm excited to see it. I think that'll be that'll be a good um, slew of matches in, in competition for uh, Louisville, who is entering the league this year, Rossing Louisville, as it is properly pronounced. Um, you're welcome, Jeff Kasu, for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I mean, I love the cup competition. And um, I always thought that the final was super duper early in, like, previous years. So to see it get pushed back, like, literally a month back is pretty exciting. Like, yeah, it's going to be colder. You just got to strategically figure out where it's going to be. But um, I think it's interesting. It definitely makes um, a longer season is a better season for me. Um, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the fact that there are going to be six teams in the playoffs this year because I'm, oh, a little yeah. bit, I'm a little bit of a stickler about this. I don't think there should be more than half of the teams in any given league in the playoffs. 
but I also like playoffs. So <laughs> I, I'll let it slide. It's only going to be probably like one additional game, maybe two. I guess it depends on the format, which that part the NWSL has not given us yet, which is fine. I'm not going to be mean about that. Yeah, like I don't understand how a bracket's going to look with six teams instead of four, but. I wonder if there's going to be, play, uh, there are going to be playing games. I think they be- said there's going to be like a bye week for the top two teams. I feel like I read that somewhere. Mm-hmm. I could be maybe totally wrong be. about this. <laughs> there are a couple ways to do it. We will find out. Yeah. Math is not my strong suit. So someone who gets paid to figure that out, um, <laughs> is going to figure that out. Um, yeah. So on the, um, NWSL website, it says that six teams are going to qualify for the playoffs, um, with the top two seeds receiving a first round buy. Ah, so there we go. That, there's that your, settles it. there's that your settles math it. folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll be cool. That's, that's, I mean, I feel like there's, let me think of how I'm going to word this. There's obviously the um, NWSL shield that is given to the first place team. But, like, I don't think there's ever really been too much incentive aside from, like, pride and better seating to get that second place. And now there's, like, more incentive for not just first place right. but for second place, too. Like, I don't know if that makes sense or not because everybody wants to be number one. So you're going to aim to finish with the best record, but now there's just more to it. It's like, Oh, like if we finish two, I guess that's where goal differential is really going to come into play too. Cause if you have two teams tied, then the team that scores the most goals is going to get in, in that mm-hmm. second place spot. So I don't know. Now my head is thinking of 20,000 different <laughs> things. So just our luck, there's probably going to be two teams tied for a second and then it's going to end up being goal differential. What if it's very chaotic and there's more than two teams? Sorry, I shouldn't entertain the idea. I just <sighs> well, you just spoke it into existence, so. Well, I guess we'll find out in like 10 months time if anything <laughs> I said now, the powers that be heard it and did it and enacted it. So what you're saying is there's going to be one team in first place and then nine teams tied for second. Got it. I would be totally (laughs) fine with that. I would be totally fine with that. And that first place team is somehow, some way going to be Rossing Louisville. Anyway. (laughs) That would be fascinating. I I don't have hopes that high for them. Not like first place high, but that would be wild. Also, I don't know if I can get myself to say Rossing. Oh, come so, on. No, we'll get you. All right. We'll well, I will you. be practicing during this off season. There I will be go. practicing. And if it feels right in my heart, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's their name. I'll <laughs> stick to it. If it's I did name. speak that into existence, though, I will say you are welcome, Christy Holly. So I'll take my paycheck at the end of the regular <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you would be deserving of that at that point. I will, I will gladly take it. <laughs> um, so there's, there's some other NWSL news that happened. Um, a lot of stuff really happened with Angel City FC, but the biggest thing of all, I mean, obviously they're not coming into the league in 20, until 2022. I mean, what are years, people? I don't know. Um, but they are wasting no time really just, you know, going to town and figuring things out because they are playing at the Bank of California Stadium, which is also um, the home of Los Angeles Football Club, better known, better well known as LAFC, um, and that really shouldn't shock anyone because it 
I always have to remind myself that Mia Hamm is a minority owner for uh, LAFC. So obviously there's a partnership there uh, in some capacity since she's part of the ownership group for Angel City FC. And then their giant, long, ridiculous list of people um, <laughs> who are also owners of the team. But um very little overlap between the Angel City long list of uh, owners and founding investors and the LAFC ownership group. Oh, it's yeah. Am, right? Um, How did they find that many rich I people? I feel like have- it's just Mia Ham. yeah. Because I know, like, the big name for LAFC is, um, oh, who's the actor? Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yeah, but I don't think he's part of the Angel City group. I mean, it's really, like... I mean, the big names are the, you know, Natalie Portman, um, Julie Fowdy, Ab- isn't Abby Wambach an owner yes. too? Yeah, yeah her, and, her and Glennon Doyle. Um, obviously, there's a ton of names. Eva Longoria. Um, there's a ton of ridiculous It names. would take us multiple hours to name them. Yeah. Even and- if we were just reading a list and not reciting them from memory. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to su- subject the people to that, but there's a... Um, yeah, there's a lot of people on this list. Um, Kobe Jones, who is a member of the U.S. men's national team, I know, I know he's on there. Um, but I don't know if he's part of LAFC's owner group. I'll have to check that out. He's not. I don't think so. Um, I didn't think so either. But there's a there's a ton of overlap. But I mean, I don't know how much LAFC games you watch, but as someone who covers the Sounders, I usually watch them quite a bit. Um, and I have a friend who lives out in LA and he just, he's so excited about angel city coming to the bank as everyone calls it the bank. Um, it's just an amazing atmosphere. The, um, three 52, I think it's called, um, is their supporters group for LAFC. If I butchered the name, I'm sorry. Um, but they like it always, their stadiums always packed. It's always loud. So, I mean, what better place to, for Angel City to play at than the bank? I won't pretend to know a lot about the stadiums in uh, in California. I live in New York, if anybody doesn't know that. but uh, And I haven't been to California in a while. And I haven't been to either of the stadiums that I think were in contention for Angel City, Bank of California Stadium, and I think the now name of the home of the LA Galaxy is Dignity Health Sports Park. They yes. change the name way too often. Because <laughs> wasn't it but StubHub for I, a while? It was StubHub, and before that, the Home Depot Center. I'm playing catch-up all the time <laughs> on the names in MLS stadiums, let me tell you. But I think from what I know, and if anybody from L.A. wants to tell me or from California tell me I'm wrong, I will gladly accept that. But I think the Bank of California Stadium is probably the better of those two venues and probably the more flashy of them. So that's... A really exciting development for a team that, for now, is very flashy, is all flash, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder if that's going to be, because there's no, like, there hasn't been an official, like, I guess, announcement that LAFC and Angel City are, tech are like, working together. There's no, like, official thing. Like, yeah, they're sharing a stadium now, but it's not, like, 
when Sky Blue FC announced that they were playing at Red Bull Arena and it was like, yeah, we're playing there, but we're also partners with the Red Bulls now. We're going to use their facilities and, you know, all that jazz. Like there hasn't been technically that announcement for Angel City. So I'm just kind of like waiting for when it does happen and then seeing how Galaxy fans respond. Um, I'm Kobe Jones, I think, said this week that the that the arrival of Angel City should transcend the MLS LA rivalry. That's what he said. I don't know if people want to agree with that. I wouldn't know, but that's what he said. <laughs> from the from the words of Kobe Jones. Yeah. Support Angel City FC, even if you're a Galaxy fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean they they look like they're they're going to be a team that people will want to support. I can't imagine they won't be, but I will be curious. I'm, I still remain curious about what they're going to be doing on the soccer end of things. I'm going to take this slightly on a tangent. I hope you'll forgive me. Oh, please. But I was watching their stadium announcement video and it had all of their, like half of their famous owners in it. I don't think all of them even made the cut. And I'm, thinking of Angel City as sort of an experiment in how much a very famous ownership group could get people interested in a team and how they pivot once they end up with soccer players and a coach. Hopefully the pivot is actually pretty straightforward. And it's just, we have players, we have a coach, please watch them. This isn't just the Natalie Portman team, but Obviously, right now, all they have is a really, really famous ownership group. They don't have players or a coach yet. So I wonder how much of that famous ownership group will remain the face of the team once they make some soccer hires in a coach and a GM and players. I remain very, very curious. And now we're getting close to finding those answers because they're going to start playing in 2022. 2021 is around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're going to be more proactive. I'm not saying like Rossing was, you know, behind on a- any means. I mean, they named Christy Holly as coach, what, back in like July, I think maybe. Um, yeah. But it was in the summer. But I could see Angel City like even when and like during the Challenge Cup naming a coach. Like I, I think that they're going to be super proactive in getting their team ready. Um and I mean, yeah, I just think that, you know, going, having everything kind of set now with um, all of the necessities, you know, got your stadium, you've, you're figuring out your training grounds, all that fun stuff. You know what you're marketing. I mean, when you see those players that get brought into um, Angel City, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they market. That's going to be big. Yeah. I mean, it could be very, very straightforward. Like, we have great players. Please go watch our players play. But, you know, only time will tell. They're still, they've got Natalie Portman owning this team. There's, there are a lot of options. But I don't think they should, at a certain point, have their ownership as the front of the team. Yeah, I know. That wouldn't, I, to me, that wouldn't make any sense. And I mean, it, it really depends on who they get, too. Cause I think, you know, there are certain teams that did a certain expansion draft that might already have Angel City in mind. So they... Mm, who could you I, be talking about? I don't know. Some random team that Christy Holly runs. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think the whole... 
what's the word I'm looking for? The whole essence of Angel City is very interesting. Um, cause the NWSL is not usually very proactive, um, in planning ahead of time. Although um, it's nice that they've afforded not two expansion teams more than a year to prepare. Yes. That I, that is amazing. I couldn't believe when they, when they did the expansion draft that the last one was in 2016. I was like, wait, what? Um, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, from a rivalry point of view, their rivals have to be Utah, right? Because, I mean, Portland's rival is O.L. Like, Portland and O.L. Reign are the only rivalry in the NWSL that makes sense because it's yeah. it's the Cascadia rivalry. It's it's a huge rivalry. Um, and then, obviously, like, there's the Portland and North Carolina, you know, thing that goes on. But there's really no, like, other geographic rivalry so I I mean you'd have to assume it's Utah yeah I mean I think it will probably just if it's a rivalry it'll be an extremely informal one unless Mm -hmm. it is it comes about through different games where you're thinking of it as one of those types of rivalries like almost um how you might think of the courage and the thorns but Mm -hmm. I think they'll probably just live with a very informal rival for a while, unless another California team joins, which it seems is still within the realm of possibilities, but I don't know, Sacramento, what, I don't know what your status is really. <laughs> I don't think anyone, I don't even they know might, Sacramento they might does. Know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's lovely to know just as much as another ownership group or potential ownership group. And that team's supposed to come in MLS in 22, in 2022, right? Yeah, that or 23. I don't remember exactly. It's one of the two because it's obviously not 2021. That, yeah, I don't think it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it, if Sacramento, you know, like height, um, making, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, but you know, in a mysterious realm, if Sacramento does have an NWSL team in 2022, that's going to be a busy year for the whole organization. If that's the oh, same yeah. year that Sacramento Republic, comes into MLS. So I do not envy anybody's jobs over there. I wonder <laughs> if they just, they just wait it out, you know, like, yeah, it would be good for everybody involved if they don't rush into this. Yeah, I think so too. I remember when it was like, what was it like November last year? And then they were like, Oh, Sacramento's coming in in 2020. And I was like, wait, what? That's like in two months. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. But Sacramento, Sacramento, I guess maybe they'll be like the new inside joke of women's soccer. Where it's like, oh, they'll be here in any, any moment, momentarily. The Sacramento <laughs> team could pop up at any moment, and then they're just never there. And then it's like 2030, and they're not there. <laughs> yeah, there are like three other expansion teams, but Sacramento's like, oh, yeah, we're still thinking about it. It could, it could happen. It could happen. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, speaking of, of rivalries, how about that segue? Um, let's- nicely done. Thank you. Let's hop over to France for a minute. Um, is there a changing of the guard potentially? Paris Saint-Germain beat Lyon yesterday, one nothing um, in France in the French first division. So now with 25 points, PSG is in first place. Lyon is in um, in second place with 24 points. And that was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was like an, a four-year streak going on of Lyon being unbeaten in French league play. This is I a big deal. It really is. I mean, I'm not going to get my hopes up 
because I don't like to hope for nice things, but <laughs> it's always good to keep your expectations low. But, uh, or, well, that's my strategy. I don't want to force that onto anyone else, but, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I don't want to get my hopes up, but we don't get to see Leon lose a lot. And I think you have, even if you don't want to assign too much meaning to them losing to PSG once. You have to assign some meaning to it. There, like you mentioned, there's a pretty tight gap at the top of the table. Things could happen. I still think PS, uh, Leon, sorry, will uh, make their way to another championship. But things have gotten more competitive for Leon, even though they've continued to win. We saw that in the Champions League uh, over the summer. We're seeing that now, and narrowing a gap like that was always going to take time unless, I don't know, you had a little bit of magic and a lot of money on your side, maybe. But mm-hmm. like I said, narrowing a gap like that was always going to take some time. But I think we're seeing that happen now. Like I said, Lyon might still win the Champions League. They might still win the French League. But Narrowing the gap can only be, I mean, Leon won't be happy about it, but I think the rest of us who maybe watch this team as neutrals can only be happy about the increase of competition in France and hopefully in Europe. Yeah. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the more, the better, the more competitive it gets, the better it gets. And, um, yeah, it just, you know, good for PSG. Marie Antoinette Catado was the one who scored. Uh, the game-winning goal kind of just outran, which I never thought I would say these words, which kind of outran um, Wendy Renard. And um, Buhati came off of her line, um, was not able to make the save, and it was just a little tap from Katato, and bing, bang, boom, she's in for the strike. So good for PSG, I mean, honestly. But like you said, there is a lot of season left to play. So that's what's happening in France. Um I believe England is on a break right now until December. Um, they had uh, one of their one of their cup matches. Please forgive my um, lack of English women's soccer league um, WSL knowledge. Um, I was telling Pardeep sometimes it's just too early, man. Um, but you could just not sleep. I've done that. I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> No, sleep is important. <laughs> Here I am. I'm just giving off advice to people that really they should not listen to. There's your um, PSA right there, friends. Advice from Pardeep Katri you should not listen to. <laughs> That's right. No advice whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing. Hey, t- take it with how you will, people. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just use your best judgment. You got this. That's right. That's right. Um, and I don't remember. I think we have... UEFA women's qualifiers right now. If you hear typing, that is me trying to figure out. Yeah, that's actually coming up on um, November 26th, Thanksgiving Day for us. Um, unless there's Americans over in Europe, I don't know if they're celebrating, but on um, Thursday the 26th and um, Friday the 27th, there are some really good games just kind of like looking through the schedule right now. The ones that kind of stand out to me, Germany and Greece. I'm going to shout them out because it's my homeland. Russia and Kosovo are playing. Um, Portugal and Scotland, that's going to be a good one. Um, France and Austria are playing as well. So that's for women's 
UEFA um, qualifiers, and then they'll be back again. There's a short break um, between the matches here in the last full week of November, and then they'll be back uh, Tuesday, December 1st. So some of the matches definitely to look out for Hungary and Iceland. You've got Denmark and Italy. That'll be a really good game. Sweden is going to take on Slovakia, Ireland and Germany. That one will be fun to watch. Um, Netherlands will take on Kosovo, um, Wales and Belarus, Spain and Poland. That's going to be a good one. Um, oh, and how could I forget Russia and Turkey, right? I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> the game that everyone has for been waiting Russia for. Waiting for you to say it. I, I had passed it up. I didn't see it. Um, so I am so sorry, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some... you have to apologize to the entire country of Russia now. I'm Those so are the sorry. Rules I didn't make them. To my motherland, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Those are the uh, definitely the games to look out for. But if you go on UEFA's website um, and look under fixtures and results, you can definitely check out and see which one you want to um, tune into and, and kind of pay attention to. And hopefully, the players and the coaches and the staffs of those teams get by traveling during what looks like the second wave of COVID nineteen, and they end up most and they end up unscathed. Yes. Not hopeful. I'm not optimistic about that, but I do hope everybody stays safe. That would be best. (laughs) That would be best. Um, We've pretty much reached the end of our show. Do you have any final thoughts before I sound us off? And tell us where people can find you on Twitter. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at pcatry. I recently did a tweet about NSYNC and Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, as you do, as yeah, you do, <laughs> as, as normal people do. I can do more in sync tweets if you like. I probably don't have a lot more, but I can do, do them. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me there. Uh, I promise I won't do more in sync tweets. Um, and thanks for listening. Um, I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving if you celebrate, and I hope everybody stays safe. You can find me on Twitter at Rachel Kruger and then another shout out um, on social media at Equalizer Soccer. Um, don't forget for premium content, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. There's lots of good stuff. I'm going to shout out and tease a story that I have coming up that I was very excited to write and it took me forever to write. So I apologize to Raquel Rodriguez on air. Um, I, I just started a new job, so I've been you know, going crazy between that, coaching basketball, and um, grad school. You sound like you have nothing to do. I know. Nothing to do. Do you want homework to do, pal? (laughs) I'll gladly pass them over. (laughs) I'll gladly pass them over. (laughs) Nope. I I like free time. Dang it. I tried. Um, Yeah, it's weird. They kind of, you know, long story short, we because of COVID cases rising, they told us – no basketball practices until, you know, we get the okay to go again. And, you know, I was upset for the kids and everything, but I was like, man, this is probably a good idea so I can focus on my homework um, for yes. the next three weeks. Yeah. That's um, a good idea. Yeah, for sure. But um, to the, to the story I had mentioned this week, um, there's a feature coming out on Raquel Rodriguez that yours truly wrote. So Looking please forward to it. Oh, it was so much fun to write. Thanks. It was great. I had a great time. She She's lovely, by the way. I mean, I don't think that's a shock to anyone, but she's very lovely. Um, yeah, I very, ran very into nice her person. while I was covering Sky Blue last year. Oh, right on. That's awesome. Yeah. 
yeah, she was very nice. And um, it was funny because she had the video on and so did I. And she was sitting in front of like her window and it was like illuminating her. I was like, you look like an like an angel, like a legit angel. <laughs> and she was like, oh, thanks. I was like, hey, you know. <laughs> Doing zooms near uh, windows. Yes. is a good tip. Especially when you have the camera on. Yeah. Um, that's going to be it for the Equalizer podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and um, subscribe to the podcast. Um, stay tuned for more. We have lots of good stuff coming for you at the Equalizer. So thanks for joining, and uh, we'll we'll talk next time. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.